That's Jack Black in Nacho Libre, a movie surprisingly not nominated for an Academy Award. Um, he's, he's talking about his life and trying to convince himself that his life is real good, but it's not. And, and largely what makes it not so good is it's lacking relationship, it's lacking connection. And we're in a message series called I Am as we go through this season of Lent, the 40 days uh, leading up to Easter. Today we get to the final I Am statement. These are seven statements that Jesus makes as he's trying to let people get to know him, get a little connected with who he is and his mission on earth. Let's read together Jesus' final I Am statement from John 15. It's on the screen. Read this out loud with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And a big part of what Jesus is talking about here is what does it look like to be connected? What's it look like as people of faith to be connected to God and to be connected to one another, to know and to be known? It's our theme for the year, and this fits right into that kind of perfectly. Christian life's never intended to be something that we do alone. Of course, there are individual spiritual practices that we can take part in, but all of those things, that those practices we engage in individually, they're always for the sake of community, for the sake of connection. And whenever I see this verse, I'm the vine, you are the branches, I think of the beginnings of this congregation. It was 12 or 13 years ago that Hope, uh, the one location in West Des Moines at the time, was running out of room, and so there started to be conversations about adding another location of Hope in uh, central Iowa. And so after a year of prayer and planning, we launched, you remember what we were called back in the day? North Branch. We launched Lutheran Church of Hope North Branch here in Ankeny. And, and the name North Branch comes right from John chapter 15. I'm the vine you are the branches, and, and we're a branch of Lutheran Church of Hope, to be sure, but even more importantly than that, we're a branch of the vine that is Jesus himself. But one of the things, I don't know if you know about this or not, but this multi-site thing, it's one of the emerging trends in the church in America over the last couple of decades. Uh, 62 of the 100 fastest growing churches in America today have a multi-site model. Uh, the turn of the century, less than 500 multi-site churches across North America. Now that number is over 5,000 multi-site churches. Now, church has always been something that people like to criticize. Uh, people outside of the church and people inside the church, we love to critique and criticize what church is all about. Two kinds of churches that get a lot of criticism these days, number one would be mega churches. A mega church, by definition, is a church where 2,000 or more people worship uh, every weekend. A lot of criticism about mega churches. And then the other kind of church that gets a lot of criticism these days, particularly from people inside the church, would be multi-site churches. Well, guess what we are at Hope? We're a multi-site mega church. And so a uh, lot of criticism, and you know, people sometimes say, oh yeah, mega church is multi-site. This is about franchising Jesus. And we get the label McChurch, like we're just a McDonald's franchise or something. I was reading a blog article. It's a couple of years old now. Uh, the title was, Multi-Site Churches Are From the Devil. And, uh, you know, that's clickbait. And so I clicked on it, and I read the article. And it was actually a very reasoned kind of uh, analysis of multi-site churches and things to watch out for. And I just think everything has pros and cons, right? Multi-site churches, there's pros and cons to it. Single-site churches, pros and cons to it. Big churches, mega churches, small churches, pros and cons to all of this. 
I happen to believe that uh, the pros to being a multi-site megachurch far outweigh the cons. There's a guy named Warren Bird who's been kind of researching this sort of thing. Uh, he's got a, an organization called Leadership Network, wrote a book, uh, one of the first books I read when I came to Hope called The Multi-Site Revolution, has continued to study this multi-site reality in churches in America. Here are some of the facts that he has discovered in the last decade or so about multi-site churches. And again, remember, when we talk about this, we're not saying every multi-site church is doing this, and we're not saying every single-site church is not doing this. This is just what he has found from his research. Multi-site churches reach more people. They're able to reach into more diverse communities and have churches have congregations and those kinds of communities. As a percentage of the whole, a higher percentage of people volunteer and are engaged in what's happening and are activated into ministry in multi-site churches, and more people are baptized. Uh, we call ourselves North Branch in the beginning, and we used to joke we should be called Baby Branch because they're just always baptizing babies. So um, this is part of what our experience has been here at Hope over the last decade. We've experienced a lot of fruit being produced, growth deep and wide. And one of the ways you can tell, we're having our Good Friday services uh, this Friday, and there's going to be seven people from our congregation who are speaking at that, preaching at that. It's not staff members, it's not pastors who are going to be preaching at that, but just, you know, regular congregation folk. People have to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus in the real world, right? Not the fake world of church staff. So uh, multi-site churches, it's something that's been a real cool thing for us to experience the last decade or so here uh, at Hope. And so after Ankeny opened up, then we launched the Des Moines campus, and then the Johnston Grimes campus, and the Waukee campus, and fruit has continued to be produced at all of those. Really excited today to announce the next location of Lutheran Church of Hope in central Iowa, in kind of typical Hope fashion, the announcement comes via a silly, don't take yourself too seriously, video. Take a look. This is the moment we've all been waiting for, the big announcement. Hope's newest campus will launch on Sunday, August 20th in the city of... Go ahead and read it. Oh. La La Land! <laughs> Sorry, I'm here. Wait, stop the music. There's been a terrible mistake. Uh, Hope's newest campus will launch in the city of... Moonlight? But Moonlight's a movie, not a city. Okay. I'm sorry, excuse me. Uh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I was live-tweeting backstage and taking selfies with the worship band, so I gave you the wrong envelope again. I'm, this, this shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, so the real launch city for the newest campus of Hope is... A land of pasta and magic, a place where students abound and research is king, a city of NBA stars, and soon and very soon, a city of hope. City of aims, are you shining just for me? City of aims. There's so much for us to see. Who knows? Is 
Is this the start of something wonderful and new? And one more dream that God's about to make true. Hey, Dad. How's it going? I was just singing. Yeah, I, I heard you over there. W what are you doing in Ames, Danny? Well, Mom called. She said that, you know, you're making a video for church, and I'm usually doing the goofy part, so just getting ready. Danny, when have I ever asked you to do the goofy part in a church skit? Well... Let it close! Let it close! Let's just get a little stretch going on right here. Oh, that's where it's at. I mean, maybe just a few hundred times. Well, Danielson, it's all been getting you ready for this, preparing you. Soon you'll be graduating from seminary, and you're more than ready to serve as the first campus minister for Lutheran Church of Hope. Ames. Well, that's kind of fun. So how did this happen? Well, a little over a year ago, 30 or 40 people who had been worshiping online in their homes, in their pajamas with the 11 o'clock live stream from the West Des Moines campus, they decided, what if we got together and we worshiped as a connected body? They started meeting at Zeke's, which is on Lincoln Way, just kind of the west side of campus town in Ames. And over the last year, fruit has been produced. Over 100 people gather every day or every Sunday now to worship at that Ames location. And we're excited to see what God has in store for the future. Uh, one of the things that excites me about it is there's about a dozen people who originally were from Hope Ankeny who are helping out with that. Maybe some of you recognize the name Jim and Paula Madsen. They've been around Hope Ankeny for quite a while. And when they found, they live in Ames. And so when they found out we're starting a Hope campus there, they wanted to be a part of that. Uh, Matt and Christy Franco started driving down here from Ames to Ankeny when we opened up this building. They've been worshiping with us for a while. And again, they wanted to be a part of what God was doing there in Ames. And so Christy sent me an email recently. It's kind of a thank you to you. I wanted to share it with you. She says, as we tell our hope stories, so many of them involve the warm welcome of Hope Ankeny. We've worked hard to emulate that welcome in our own sight. We've been working alongside some of the most dedicated, spiritually grounded, and giving people. When we are together, there's no shortage of laughter, joy, prayer, and connection. Though we are working to create an even greater Hope Ames site, it never feels like work to us. I think for the first time in my life, I realize that's how it feels to truly serve God. In the giving, we are receiving exponentially so much more. The joy of Hope Ames is with me every day. Not a day that goes by that I don't pray for our community, for our people, for our possibilities, for the ability to reach others who have not yet found the promise of God in their lives. It's given me a new family and a new hope. A new family and a new hope. Seems to me there's always a lot of excitement around something that's new. Remember the excitement when we got started here in Ankeny, the excitement a couple of years ago when we moved into this new building, and I always think, well, what, what's next for us? And I think there's at least a couple of things. Uh, number one, I want to be sure that some of you hear this. Uh, maybe you're supposed to be a part of Hope Ames. 
You actually live closer to Ames than you do to Ankeny, and you're skilled, you're gifted with exactly what would be needed to produce, produce fruit in a new campus. And so while we would miss you, we will mostly celebrate uh, that you are being a part of, of something new and something that God is doing and fruit being produced. I mean, the goal is not just for this to, get a, to be a bigger and bigger branch here. The goal is to produce fruit. And so maybe for some of you, God will nudge you in that direction. And then the second thing I think of is what does continued fruit production look like here in Ankeny? Uh, church growth experts for decades have been saying you are out of room when you're 70% full. And one of the biggest barriers to growth that churches have is when there's not enough room. So I was doing some math on this. Our worship center seats about 650 people comfortably. We can squeeze a few more chairs in there if we need to. 70% of 650 is 455. So kind of look around the room. Uh, we've been over that 70% threshold since the day we moved into this building at 11 o'clock and at 9.15. Saturday night is getting closer and closer to 4.55 all the time. One of the reasons we added an 8 o'clock service last fall is how do we continue to make room when we're at that place where a lot of people walk in and it feels full. It feels like we're out of room. Now, praise God, we've been able to kind of buck this trend by, by the grace of God and the warm ways in which you serve and, and you're welcoming and uh, the joy with which you serve. People continue to come even though it feels full sometimes. And so we will continue to add more services. I mean, I was talking with Jeremy. He said he can just be here all week long playing songs if you just want to show up whenever you want. We can do that. But at some point, we have to ask the question, what does expansion look like? Do we expand here at this site? Or when you look at the reality of how multi-site seems to be working across the country and some of those facts that Warren Bird was putting out, maybe the best thing for continuing to produce fruit, if that's the goal, is a second location in Ankeny on the south side of town over by Oral Labor or something like that. So what I'm just asking today is, would you join me in praying about that? We want to go where God is taking us. And um, it, the way this community is growing is probably going to end up being both, right? Expansion here and a, a second location. But God, what, what's the path that you have for us as more and more fruit continues to be produced? And in the meantime, in the meantime, what do we do? Jesus has some wisdom for us on that in this passage in John 15. Read this verse with me. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So a little bit ago, I said the goal is not just to be a bigger and bigger branch. The goal is to produce fruit. Jesus takes it to another level here. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Like producing fruit is not even the goal. The goal is to remain in Jesus. Some of the older translations would say, abide in me. Make your home in me is kind of the idea behind this. Make your home in me. It sounds good, make your home in Jesus, but what does that mean? What, is, what does that look like? Maybe here's a helpful way to think about it. What if we started to think, you know, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, home is where we are the most comfortable. You go away on a work trip or, or you go out of town on a vacation that you're really excited about, but at some point, don't you get to the point where you're like, I'm ready to be home. I can't wait to sleep in my own bed again. In an ideal world, home is where we are the most comfortable. So when Jesus says, remain in me, abide in me, make your home in me. Part of what Jesus is saying is, allow me to be the source of comfort in your life. Can I ask you, what's the source of comfort in your life these days? 
when life's not going the way you want it to go, when, when you find yourself trying to convince yourself that life is real good, but the truth is it's not so good, where do you find comfort? What's your source of comfort? As you're thinking about that, I want to show you a clip from a movie that actually was nominated for an Academy Award. It's a movie called Sideways, and Paul Giamatti plays a character named Miles. He is a struggling author trying to get a book published. He's struggling relationally. And so one week, Miles and his buddy Jack head to California wine country. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Jesus was talking about a vineyard. They go to California wine country, and as you watch this scene, See if you can pick up on where it is that Miles turns for comfort in his life. Take a look. I, I never realized that if you plug your ears, you can smell better. Did you see him? <laughs> so interesting. When, when Miles gets to points in his life where he is uncomfortable, uh, where he feels troubled, he turns to wine, and it's, it's interesting. It's not so much the alcohol. It's not about getting drunk for the most part. It's like when he teaches people about wine, when he's talking about wine, thinking about wine, then he doesn't have to think about what it is in his life that's not going the way he wants it to go. It's an escape for him. Last week, we looked at John 14. Jesus says some troubling things to his disciples about betrayal and denial and death. And then he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That He's not saying it's wrong to be troubled. He's saying, when you are troubled, how do you respond? How, how do you find comfort? And he's like, what if instead of turning to, I don't know, alcohol or drugs or sex or work or money, what if you turn to Jesus to be the source of your comfort? Remain in me, abide in me, make your home in me, turn to me, Jesus says. And again, I, I guess most of us would probably say, okay, I'd like to do that, but... What does that even actually mean? How, practically speaking, what are we talking about? And Jesus gives us some information on this. John 15, 10, he says, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. I want to remain in you. I want to make my home in you, Jesus. How do I do that? When you obey my commandments. Now, I talk about this on occasion. I think most of us don't like the word obey. Obedience, it's too closely connected to disobedience, which for a lot of us is too closely connected to punishment. And so we like to talk about a God who loves us unconditionally no matter what we do, but we don't like to talk about a God who says, obey my commandments. A lot of times, here's the mistake we make, a lot of times we mistake compliance for obedience. We confuse compliance with obedience. Compliance is, I'm going to do it because I fear punishment. Obedience is, I'm going to do it because it flows out of a relationship of love. Compliance is sort of begrudging, I fear the or else, you better do this or else, and so okay, I'll do it. Obedience is, I trust you, I trust you have my best interests in mind, I know that, that you love me, and so even though I don't maybe even understand it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to obey. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, Jesus says. Miles, when he's troubled, when things aren't going the way, there's a scene later in the movie, he gets a rejection letter from his uh, publisher, and he just goes in search of wine, and they won't let him have any. The wines run out, and he has a complete meltdown. And the question for Miles is the question for you and for me. Where do you turn when the wine runs out? Whatever that might mean for your life and for your circumstances, where do you turn when wherever it is you've turned for comfort no longer works? 
Where, where do you turn when the wine runs out? Jesus' first miracle is at a wedding celebration in Cana of Galilee. He's there with his disciples and with his mom, and at one point in the festivities, they run out of wine. And you remember what Jesus' mother Mary does? She turns to Jesus. She goes to the, the servants who are there, and she tells them, you need to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. It's Palm Sunday. We're celebrating uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He comes into town as a king. This is the kind of thing we would expect from a king, right? Just do whatever I tell you to do. I mean, what, what if you went to a job interview and you asked for the job description and they said, there's no job description, just do whatever I tell you to do. That'd probably be a deal breaker, right? No, thank you. It's a little weird, strange, uh, creepy almost, just do whatever I tell you. Jesus says things like, if you love me, obey my commandments. Do whatever I tell you to do. And we would expect a king to say that, but Jesus is a different kind of king. And so we might not expect Jesus, our king, to say, do whatever I tell you, do whatever I command, and here's my command. Love each other. Love each other. Pretty simple. Not at all easy, but pretty simple. This is what it's all about. I want you to do what I command you to do. I want you to do what I have done. Love one another the way I have loved you. And I think as we do this, as if we can learn to be a, a church where this is our reality more and more all the time, we're remaining in Jesus, obeying His commands and remaining in His love, then we'll really get to a place where to know and to be known, it's not just a theme for the year, but it becomes kind of the reality of our relationships. I don't know if it's because I've been in John 15 all week talking about producing fruit or if it's because we had Pastor Josh's farewell open house celebration uh, yesterday and he's you know, on his way to Georgia, the land of peaches. But I've had this movie in my head lately, James and the Giant Peach. Any of you see this movie, James and the Giant Peach, or, or read the book? James is an orphan. He's being raised by two really kind of nasty ants. Um, his parents were great. Before their death, they were always encouraging James to dream great dreams, to do incredible things uh, in his life and with his life. And then shortly after their death, he encounters, James encounters an old man who has a bag of magic stuff. And he says to James, this bag will enable you to do marvelous things, incredible things, things that you haven't even dreamt of. And so I want you to watch this scene. And as you watch it, I want you to think about what does it mean to be people who are connected to Jesus in such a way that fruit is being produced in us as individuals, but also in us as a church. Take a look. Would you stand with me, please? It's Palm Sunday, and Jesus is on the move. He's coming into Jerusalem. He's going to go to the upper room and wash his disciples' feet, institute communion, give a new command, love one another the way I've loved you. And then he'll keep moving to the cross, ultimately to the empty tomb, and ultimately back to that upper room where there'll be new life and there'll be resurrection. Marvelous things will happen. And we get to celebrate that this week. Hope you come back. Hope you bring some friends with you to all the many services we have this week. Right now, let's sing about our great God.